Good morning, New Life. I am Dan. Please stand for the scripture reading. We're going to be reading Romans 3, 19 through 26. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our own sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Would you remain standing as we pray? Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet. And Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be humble and pleasing, Lord, accepting, uh, acceptable to you. Lord, we pray this in your name as we look through this passage and look at your word that, that, that no one has, has, is righteous, but that, Lord, you make us righteous. The, the foundation of the gospel is being declared this morning. We look to you and praise your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people screamed, Amen! Amen. Wow, you really did it today. Good job. You may be seated. I'm excited this morning to share. This morning is the gospel presentation. Very clearly what it is for some of us, this will be a reminder. This is what we believe. This is what we declare. This is what we share with others. This is our message as believers. And for some of you, maybe it's like, well, I've never heard all those pieces put together like that. I guess I didn't really understand that that's what the gospel was. This morning will be that. Let me start with a question. Uh, How many of you, as, as maybe parents of little ones or grandparents of little ones, how many of you know the horrors of trying to take a family portrait together. Anybody? So we do this once a year at our house. Erica calls uh, a friend over. She comes over with a camera. And it's about an hour-long process to get one like snapshot of everyone smiling and everyone looking at the camera. And it's brutal. Like we just know this as parents and, and we end up screaming and yelling. It's like promising them all the candy in the world if they will just look at the camera for one second and smile. We know this. And, and we, we did this last year. We'll do this again next year. We'll make a little Christmas card out of it. We'll put it on social media. I have it on my phone so that when people say, oh, dude, you have a family. Can I see a picture? I push this little button. And there they are, all smiling. And people's reaction is usually, oh, wow, cool, perfect. You must have a perfect family. And I say, oh, yes, of course. I'm patting myself on the back, knowing full well that that was one moment of an hour where the screaming and the crying stopped for just a second for the camera to be taken, the picture to be taken. And I think we can do that with our lives, of course, with other people. We should put our best foot forward and show ourselves to other people as as good and as good, uh, 
people that have things put together. We, that's okay. That's just doing what we do. We do that all the time on social media. But before the Lord, I think we can get into that same habit of saying, Lord, look at my past. Look at these like, like snapshots in my life. Look, look where I got baptized or look where I did this altar call or look where I led someone else to the Lord or, or look at these things that I've done in my life and we can present those before the Lord and say, Lord, look at what I've done for you. Uh, Lord, aren't I a great person? And, and maybe we don't say it like that, but maybe sometimes we think it. We, we oftentimes uh, compare ourselves to others and look at other people and say, well, Lord, at least I, I'm not like this. I, I'm no Hitler. I've never killed anyone. I've never stolen anything. Well, I have stolen some things, but nothing over $100. And so I'm not too bad of a person. But those are looking at the works of the law. It's just what we do. It's, it's not the gospel. I think people oftentimes look at us as Christians and say, what do you guys believe? You guys believe that, you know, you have to live a good life and then you get to heaven? I was working at the pantry that just this last Wednesday. We do a pantry. Everyone's invited. You could come sometime and check it out or come get food. It's a wonderful thing in Manitou every Wednesday. And, and someone came in. It's from 1 to 2. Uh, but someone came in right at 2 o'clock and, and we opened the doors for them and they came in and uh, just kind of led itself to a conversation like, oh, I didn't know you guys were here. Yeah, every Wednesday. Well, why do you do this? And, and he kind of just kept pressing it and, and wanted to know personally, like, why are we doing this? Are we doing this because it, we're going to get to heaven by doing this act? I think he was seriously like asking, like, are, the reason why you, like, why am I doing this? Is it because I think I'm going to get to heaven? And we said, no, no, no. We, we, that's not by, it's not by works. It's not by doing good things that we get to heaven. So the first point here this morning is the work works of the law. What are these things, the works of the law? If we look at the Old Testament, there's all these rules and regulations, and still to this day, we have just things in church, just things that we're supposed to do, things that we're not supposed to do, and why do we do them? Well, here's the reason why, and it's, it's an unusual reason. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So let me explain that and look at it. So we have these rules. In the Old Testament, there's lots of rules. You could read through them. Uh, certainly we have rules that are still in effect today, the Ten Commandments. But why do we do these things? Why do we hold up to the law? Is it to become righteous that, that somehow we, we do all these things and then we're declared, hey, that's a good guy. He must be really good. God must really think he's righteous because he's done all these things or she's done all these things. Actually, no, we have the law so that when we look at it, we might realize that we have not lived up to that full law. We have fallen short. And this is where the gospel starts. This is the core of what we believe as Christians. You know, I was, I was once uh, had the wonderful, unusual, I'll tell you about it, opportunity to explain someone. It's like someone wanted to know, what's the gospel? I want to believe. Can you just tell me in a nutshell what it is? Because I'm, I'm here and I want to believe. It was at New Life North. We have this big campus, uh, a congregation up north. It's our main campus. I have an office there. And oftentimes people, just because it's a big building and it's a church, people know that as a church. People going through the, the things people go through in life, whether a death of a loved one or going going through a divorce or really needing prayer, sometimes people will just come into our parking lot, come into our church and just say, I need help. I need to talk to a pastor. Is there anyone here who can pray for me? Sometimes these people are not believers. So oftentimes they are, but our building is kind of this beacon. I think a spiritual beacon where people just 
come. It's pretty cool. And as a, as a side note, I think uh, we don't really have that in Manitou. We just rent this building on Sundays. And so I personally, I try to get out into the community. I know lots of you do as well. I, I call, there's several coffee shops that I call my offices, uh, the Red Dog Coffee Shop or the Manitou Art Building, car, these, off, these offices that I have. And I, I get out and just try to be out there because we don't have a place where people to come. But anyways, all that to say on the north end of Colorado Springs is a big building and people do come. And a few years ago, I was, uh, when I was the college pastor, uh, so this young man came into our church and talked to the receptionist and just said, I, I, I need prayer. I would like to talk to a pastor. And he was a young man. And so she said, well, let me try to give the college pastor a call. And I was in my office. So I got called and I, I met this guy and I sat down with him and listened a little bit to his story. He said he, he'd only been to church a couple times in his whole life, but he had talked to the, these several Christians and realized he wants to believe in Jesus. And so he was sitting there in my office. I mean, I have this image of like a fish jumping up and landing into a boat. Uh, here in the pastor's office is someone saying, okay, I, tell me, I, I want to believe. Can you just explain to me like, like, uh, like what it is you believe? I've heard these different things. I'm trying to put it together. Tell me what to believe. And I want to believe in Jesus. And I'm like, well, this is a great day. This is awesome. Where do I start? Uh, and I thought about, well, I could, I could start in all these different places, but I thought to start in the book of Romans, something called, have you heard of this, the Romans Road? Anybody heard of the Roman? It's this tool, it's this, uh, uh, I guess, this way, this way of verses through the book of Romans where you can explain the whole gospel story with just a few verses following the book of Romans. And the version I explained to him was a very shortened version. I just had three verses, but if you look at the book of Romans, they all start. You look up uh, Romans Road on the internet, you'll, you'll see lots of versions of the Roman Road, but I think all of them, I didn't see a version that did not start with Romans 3.23, which says, and I'm sure you've heard it before, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, if, if you ever fallen short before, I think of like falling short at the cashier, like you go to pay and you're like, oh man, where's my wallet? I don't have my wallet, so sorry. Or uh, going to some place that only accepts cash and you have a credit card or just not having enough money. It's embarrassing. I remember going surfing uh, years ago with a friend and we went to San Onofre State Beach and it was like seven bucks to get in. And it was this long line to get in. And we had wait, we had to drive an hour from Pasadena to get us to San Onofre. And here we are in this long line. They were only letting one car in as one car left to keep the, the beach not too crowded. And we waited an hour in line. We get up to the toll booth and, and the guy says, it was a young guy, he said, it'll be seven bucks. And so we pull, we pull out our wallets and ne between the two of us, we had like $3. And so we started panicking and opening up the glove box and like reaching under the seats to see if there's any coins. And we pulled out something like $3.23 and like we had some subway coupons. And we're like, here, we, we got $3.23 and some subway coupons so sorry we're short. Can we still get in? And the guy was like, no, I, I got a job to do. I, I can't just let people in. I, I, this, my, my job is to, to be the toll guy here, and I, I just can't let you in like that. And we were like crying, like, oh, no, like, please, we don't want to go back to the ATM and then come back here and get back in this line. It's, almost, it's two hours away from the sunset. We're not going to get our surf in. We really, we came all the way from Pasadena, and this guy was like, you know, I'm I, I get, sorry, guys. Like, this is my job. I, 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 I can't just let you in. And he, he finally said, you know what? I, 
I, I got $4 on me. He pulled out his own wallet and he put $4 in the cash register for us. And we were just like, ah, this is awesome. This is the best day. We had fallen short, but here this guy in his grace paid for us, as you can see the analogy going. So going back to this Romans road, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God isn't done with us. God is chasing us down. Even though we have fallen short of his glory, his perfection, he is the creator, we are the creation, and we have fallen short God is chasing after us with his love. And so you you flip a couple pages and and you get to Romans 6.23, which says this, which is a verse many of you might know as well. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So we've fallen short. So, okay, now what? Well, God's chasing after us and the wages of sin is death. So like, That's what's going to happen. We are going to die because we have fallen short of the Lord's glory. But God isn't done with us. He is chasing after us. And it says here that he has a gift, the gift of God, which is eternal life, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if we keep turning the pages in this Romans road, we would get to Romans 10, 9, which says this, another famous verse. If you declare with your mouth that... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's this, the good news spelled out. So this young man, kind of going back to the story where we were, he's in my office, and he's asking me, I want to believe. Tell me, like, I've, I've got bits and pieces of this Christian message, and I believe. Help me. I, I, tell me what to believe here. And so I led him through this Romans road. All have sinned and fallen short, and the wages of sin is death, but God keeps coming, chasing after us. And if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, well, then there is a gift, and we will be saved because of what he has done in us. And so this next point here is this, righteousness given through faith. Righteousness given through faith. If we want to be righteous, how do we become righteous? Well, it's a gift of God given by our faith in him, and he gives it to us freely. The core of... um, Thinking through a little bit of church history to give you uh, a little bit of a, a nerd alert here and talk about church history for you, uh, for those nerds in here. Uh, the Reformation is, preceding the Reformation is the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages. It was a pretty dark time in world history. It's pretty dark, and, and looking back, it's a pretty embarrassing time for Christian history. And people that aren't Christians look back and say, the Middle Ages, like that was pretty bad. And, and we as Christians are like, yeah, it was pretty bad. Like things, Things got pretty bad. Christians were very superstitious, and superstitions grew. People uh, like would come forward for communion, like we're, we're, we're going to do in just a minute here. And instead of eating it, they would take it home and sneak it home and, and put it like on a little mantle and worship it like an idol because the priest said it's the body of Christ. So now I have the body of Christ in my house. Or people were very superstitious when it came to the sacraments. And there's these stories uh, of young children that hadn't been baptized, and the parents are so worried 
that they won't get to the priest in time to get baptized for their little kid and that this kid w- would not be saved. And, and, and people looking at the church in that period said, that's not how it works. Look at the book of Romans. Uh, very sad in our church history was the cell of indulgences, these pieces of paper that uh, were sold by the church and it basically said your sins were forgiven and it got even worse and worse and worse and people had pieces of paper that would forgive future sins. Like if you wanted to go out and sin, you would buy this piece of paper that said your sins are forgiven and then you could go out. I mean, it's horrible. Like looking back at that period of church history, very horrible, very sad uh, looking back and saying, yeah, that was our kind of brothers and sisters that really messed up and it was a really dark time. Lots of corruption. It is embarrassing. Yes. And people in that time period, the reformers, Martin Luther, Zwingli, uh, Thomas Kramer, Kramer, um, uh, is it really Kramer? Like the, like Seinfeld? Anyways, um, anyways, uh, these reformers reading the book of Romans, reading the book of Romans, looked at faith and said, there is a righteousness given through faith, not by the sacraments, not by superstition, not by the sale of indulgences, but by faith. And so that if we look at this verse, we will see it so clearly. Verse 21, now, uh, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So how are we made righteous? By, by doing the sacraments, by coming to church, by, by, by these works, by following the law, by, be, by doing uh, the, the, uh, these rules, by leading uh, this, a life that's a certain way. No, righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So it's kind of circular. If you're looking at the gospel, kind of saying, well, it, it seems circular that if, if you confess that you are a sinner and confess that you have sinned, well, then by your faith in God, he will come and he will make you righteous. Yeah, that's right. And if you become more and more and more righteous because of what God has done in you, well, then you actually begin to look at your own life and say, Lord, I keep falling short in this area and in that area. And would you forgive me in this area? Would you forgive me for doing that? Instead of saying, Lord, aren't I righteous before you? No, it's, it's, it's circular. We look up to the Father and we say, Lord, we have sinned. We have fallen short of your glory. And he looks down to us and says, Come on up here. You are now being made righteous because of your faith. It's the the parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. It's the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. And these two guys go to church. They go to the temple to pray. And so here they are praying. Uh, Maybe it was something like this, where people have come and they're gathered and they're worshiping the Lord. And one of them, the, 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 the good guy in this story, looks at the sinner, and this is, this is just disgusting. He looks at him and says to the Lord, I'm glad that I'm not like this guy. This guy is a sinner. This guy has messed up. He's a horrible person. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like him. And the sinner, he is praying to the Lord, and he just says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says that only one of those two people were justified by, by the Lord that day, and it was the sinner. It was, it was the one that, that was just saying, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, I think we become 
worse than the thing we think we're better than when we point it out and we say, look, Lord, I'm better than that. Look at this person, how they're struggling. I'm thankful that I'm not like them. It's like, no, you're actually now worse than, than what you think they are because you're judging. Going back to what we were talking about last week, if you were with us when we met in the park. But here's this last point for this morning. And it's, it's a phrase here. It's faith in the faithfulness of God, which is, by the way, uh, the subtitle of this series that we are. We're in the book of Romans. We're studying through the book of Romans. Here we are in chapter 3. We've done 2 and 1 in the weeks previous. And the subtitle, the kind of overarching theme of the book of Romans that we are going to talk about again and again is faith in the faithfulness of God. Faith in the faithfulness of God. And I'll conclude with this story. I heard it from Daniel Grothy, who's the pastor of New Life Friday Night. And it's been so wonderful as, as different congregations, Nueva Vida, uh, New Life Manitou, Friday Night, New Life North, we all get together on Tuesday mornings and we talk about the sermons that, that we're preparing for that week. And, and Daniel shared this story of an uh, uh, history of, of someone who died, a funeral. And I went and researched it myself. I, I actually watched a bit of it. It was televised. Uh, but a man died in 2011. He was 99 years old. He lived a great, uh, wonderful life. He was a Christian believer. His name is Otto von Hosberg. Uh, I imagine many of you probably don't know his name, but he's a very big deal in European history. He was the last crown prince of Austria-Hungary. He, was, he lived through World War II, and he was a very a big opponent of Nazism. And then as uh, communist dictatorships moved into Europe, he was uh, very instrumental in stopping those dictatorships. Uh, as a wonderful man, used his wealth, used his influence to do good in the world. And so he died at the ripe old age of, of 99 years old, and there's a big funeral procession, as, as a funeral procession should be for a prince, and it's, it's, it's long, and they're holding the casket, and they go to this church where he's going to be buried, and there's this herald that comes out with this big cane, and doo, 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 knocks on the door of the church, and there's these monks inside that say, who demands entry into this church? And so the herald pulls out his little piece of paper and says, this is Otto von Hosberg. He's the last crowned prince of Austria and Hungary. That's who demands entrance. And the monks inside say, we don't know this guy. And so in all the pomp and circumstance, the, the herald pulls out his cane again and do, 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 knocks on the door of the church. And the monks inside say the same thing. Who demands entry? into this church. And the herald pulls out a different scroll. Like of all the things Otto has done, and they, he lists the civic duties and the things, the accolades, the degrees he's gotten, all of these things. It's Dr. Otto von Hosberg, and he, he did all these things. He won these prizes. He, he, he took the leadership over this and that and brought these councils together and these peace talks and so on and so forth. Lists all these things, and the monks inside say, we don't know this guy. So the herald pulls out his cane again, doo, 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 knocks on the door of the church, and the monks inside say the same thing, who demands entry into this church, and the herald says, Otto, a mortal and a sinner. And then the doors open, the funeral procession goes inside, 
And I just thought, that, that's an image of the kingdom of God. That's an image of our faith in the faithfulness of God, that we do not show up before God with these lists of things that, that we have done. We do not show up uh, with anything other than our empty hands and say, Lord, here we are, we're, we're sinners. And the good news is that he has given us the gift of eternal life. He has given us uh, faith. He has given us salvation because of what he has done. Would you bow your head with me this morning and, and quiet your hearts? Maybe look at your hands, hold out your hands, they're empty hands. And today is an invitation to, to drop everything before the cross of Jesus. Today's an invitation to say yes to Jesus. Today's an invitation to say, yes, Lord, I do have faith in what you have done for me. And Lord, I have empty hands. I come before you, Lord, with nothing. We're going to say together a prayer. We're going to say together a bit of Psalm 51, one of my favorite psalms. It's a psalm of Repentance, And this psalm, Psalm 51, was written by King David, the, the same king who uh, killed the giant Goliath. And the majority of the psalms were written by this one man, David. He brought peace to his kingdom. He was given the kingdom uh, of Israel to, to, to rule over. He didn't take it away from Saul, who was the king. A great man. But in a moment of sin, he saw a woman and he called for her and took her into her, his palace and had an affair with this woman and then to try to cover it. He killed, now this is the same guy, the same hero of the Old Testament. He had murdered this woman's husband. And a prophet comes to King David, this, this great man who had sinned horribly and, and says, David, you have sinned before the Lord. This, this, is, this is not right. You could read about all that in the Bible. And then you can read David's response. He prays Psalm 51, and we still have that today as this psalm to be led in repentance, asking for the Lord's mercy. So if you would, please, with a, with a quiet heart, would you stand with me? And we're going to read. This is going to take uh, a couple minutes here. To, to read a good chunk of Psalm 51. We're going to read it together in unison. It's going to come up on the board here. It's, a, it's an older King James version that I'm more familiar with. But the words are beautiful, and the words are a prayer that we would come before the Lord asking for his mercy. So if you would join me. It says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy great mercy, according to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. So thou art justified in thy sentence and blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desires truth in my inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Fill me with joy and gladness. 
Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my, my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. 